Hey there, my name is Chris Rivers. I want to thank you for joining us today. And if this is your first time with us, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast. I'm really glad that you're here. In each episode, I explore leadership strategies that increase your capacity and effectiveness with people. During each show, I interview thought leaders, hear their leadership stories, and discuss ways to become better problem solvers and people developers. Visit culturebus.cc to access additional tools focused on each episode so you can create forward movement with your team. Okay, let's dive into today's show. I have a special guest, Robbie Richards. Robbie, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast. Hey, Chris. Super excited to be here with you. Yeah, man. Well, you and I, we know each other from work at Grace Church here in Greenville. You have a really interesting role here. Tell us a little bit about what you do and how you even got here. Sure. Well, first off, I listen to your podcast all the time, so that's really exciting to be finally yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah. Good to be here, man. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, so I get to lead our Spanish campuses here at Grace Church. So yeah. we uh, started our first Spanish campus in November of 2014. And then last year, we started two more in two different areas of the city. So uh, we've just had the last six years full of excitement and starting yeah. things and planting congregations and getting to know people and hopefully seeing life change in them. So yeah, we got to come in 2014, moved from Dallas, Texas, but before that was in Costa Rica for about nine years. My wife is from there and I'd lived there for some time, went to school there and did some ministry there. So uh, that's where the Spanish part of our ministry comes from. And uh, yeah, we get to do that here in Greenville, South Carolina now. Yeah, it's amazing to see the work that you guys are doing. I'd love to hear just a little bit about some of what you like best about what you do. Yeah, so I'm actually finishing school up right now, and my final project is is why I think that doing uh, having a Spanish campus is actually a great model to do Spanish ministry, a Spanish mm-hmm. campus inside a multi-site uh, church. And yeah. I think it's because of uh, four reasons, which are um, shared vision, shared leadership, shared processes and shared resources. So that goes for any multi-site church. If you're a part of one, you know how helpful that can be when those things are shared. But actually, as I do more of this investigation, I think what actually really makes this work is just a attitude of uh, humility that makes Mm. the sharing actually possible. And so um, that is really what it's all about is that leaders from both sides, we have to be humble enough to be able to work together, um, even if everything does not fit the way that it should, uh, mm. we have to be flexible, um, willing to listen. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we want to maintain this culture that is Grace Church um, within our uh, congregation, even though we all come from very different cultures. So yeah. I mean, just our Spanish campuses, we probably have 20, 21 nations represented. Mm. And so you can imagine what that means um, cultural-wise. Mm-hmm. You can imagine what that means even language-wise. You know, Spanish is spoken differently in every in every country. So yeah, uh, that creates differences. Um, you got people from uh, Central America, from South America. You got people from Spain, and that uh, you know is just as different as English-speaking countries could be. So that is a challenge, and yet we are part of a larger church, so we constantly say, hey, you know what? We are one church. We are Grace Church. The only difference is the language. We do not want to say that's the American church and this is the Hispanic church because that's creating more barriers than we think is is actually necessary. Yeah. And so what we try to do is take everything that is Grace Church, and um, you know, if that's a square that we need to stick in a, 
a round hole, then we try to shave off the corners and see if we can make it fit in, in the mm. best way possible, really try to contextualize that. And so um, that's basically a, a lot of what we do with those shared resources. Leadership, obviously, we, we believe in a plurality of leadership, and we believe that even across um, cultural and language barriers. And then processes is a huge help for us. We get to use the processes that have already uh, been tested and and found to be effective in the English-speaking side of church. So we get to put that to use in in the uh, Spanish-speaking side of church. And uh, obviously vision, we all have to be on the same page as far mm. as what it means and what even might it, what, what it might cost us to reach the Hispanic population here in, in, in the upstate of South Carolina. Yeah. And so um, those four areas we tr really try to focus on. But like I said, it won't work unless we really have a culture of uh, humility to be able to, to share those things. And yeah. I think we've done it so far. It took us about, probably took us about 18 months, 24 months to really get, get, um, get, a, get the hang of it. But, um, you know, wow. God has been very gracious to us. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say the word humility reminds me of Philippians 2, that we should have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. How do you demonstrate humility in your own life? Because you said that a minute ago that these four areas help you uh, accomplish the mission within the Espanol community, those four ideas. But then humility is the foundation, you said, or that's how I heard it. How do you help your team and how do you help your leaders embrace humility? That is a great question. I think it actually has to do with being open to putting the mission first and mm. not ourselves. And so um, we know that Christ has called us to make disciples of all nations um, in everything that we do. And so that means that I've got to get out of the way. Our own ego has to get out of the way. Uh, as a team, we've got to be open to listening to others. And I, I mean, it's, it's, it's been, it, it can be very difficult, especially when you think you have the when you know you have the knowledge necessary to get done what's what needs to get done mm -hmm. um and also you know seeing watching our leadership seeing how humble they are has been very very helpful to me and seeing how they handle situations being open to listening to others i think listening is a big big uh, part of humility and so i mean there's there's a lot more we could get into but i think mm -hmm. a lot of it has to be are we humble enough to just accept uh, what God's given us as a mission so that we can move forward and um, get ourselves out of the way. Yeah, so good, man. It does remind me of 1 Peter 5, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another there for God go. opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I mean, just this, I just envisioned this idea of just waking up and I'm like, you know, I take my hands. I'm just like, okay, I'm clothing myself. I'm going to, yes. I'm going to yeah. be open to whatever God wants to do. I'm going to put the mission first. I'm going to listen instead of talk. I'm going to get out of the way. <laughs> I mean, to me, that is the key of being humble. And I think those are really good practical ways. So good. I love it, Robbie. Well, I mean, we probably could talk for an entire episode about those four ideas, but I wanted to talk to you about something different today. You know, each week we ask our guests to share a leadership tip. And over the last couple of months, you and I have been discussing something that's really driven me uh, to create a process for people to help them discover the importance of personal ministry and then how to carry that out, how to create forward movement around that. 
And we've been calling it the Archipus Project, you and I and a handful of other guys as we've been dialoguing around this. Could you just share with us how this whole thing got started uh, and what it means to you to see this thing to completion? Yeah, I, I believe I was talking to my dad or something, but he mentioned Colossians 4.17. And so um, and that reads like this. It says, and say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Mm. Be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. And so I got to thinking about it more. And, um, and it, it just started you know, weighing on my heart. We don't know exactly why Paul wrote these words to Archippus, but you know, this is the end of the letter to the Colossians. He's given some final instructions. Uh, we don't know if Archippus has, you know, he's burned out, left the ministry, or uh, if he was, you know, super distracted, or if he was just got busy. But for some reason, <laughs> he's got to be reminded to do what God has given him to do. So literally, yeah. Paul says, you know, take care, pay attention to this service, this ministry that you received from the Lord. This is something that the Lord has given you. This is not something that he's made up. This is something that the Lord has handed over to him to carry out. So there is, I mean, there's this idea where it's Archippus, you know, there's a specific ministry the Lord has given to you, so make sure that you carry it out. And so what I would say is he's talking about both personal mission and personal ministry. So the idea is what has God given me to do, that's my personal mission, and then what action am I taking so that I can accomplish or carry out that mission. That's that would be my personal ministry. I don't know if you can, you know, divide that up, but that's how I think about it. What has God given me to do? That's my personal mission. And then what action am I taking so I can accomplish or carry out that mission that He's given me to do, which would be my personal ministry. Okay. So, times, let's, let's, so let's unpack that for a minute, Robbie, because that's a lot okay. of, of, of ideas there. So personal mission and personal ministry, two categories. So personal mission what has God given me to do? And you said personal ministry. How do I carry that out? Yeah. Okay. So so let's just talk for a minute about personal mission. Talk to me at a 16 year old level. Give me some clarity around what do you mean by what God's given me to do? So personal mission, I'd say is, is the same as because I am a Christ follower. It is Christ's mission. Mm -hmm. Christ has given every single one of us as individuals and as his body, a mission that is to make disciples. So we are followers of Jesus, making followers of Jesus, and that is why we exist. And um, we as individuals are part of that mission. So my mission, my personal mission, Robbie's personal mission is to make disciples. Yes. Now my personal ministry is how I make those disciples. And that I do think can look very different depending on the gifts that God has, has given me. Mm. Um, But I mean, if you want to really get down to it, it really has to do with how the individual fits into the, the greater whole of the body of Christ. Yeah. So good. So your dad's talking to you about this. You go and read Colossians 4, 17, read this. What is your first thought after you read that verse? I think it was have Am I, how I am living, am I, or especially since, you know, I work at a church, is it a job or am I doing the ministry that God has given me to do? Hmm. So as I examine myself, 
when we work in the ministry space, it cannot just be a job. Like yes. that, that, if it gets to that point, then I do not need to be in that ministry space. Mm-hmm. So, so I got to the point where I was thinking, since God has given myself, has given you, Chris Rivers, a certain responsibility to build up his church, Christ's body, then you've got to do it. You better do yeah. it. Not yeah. because it's a job that's, that's making you money or providing for your family. If I wanted that, I can go do that anywhere. Yeah, so uh, true. So, so the idea behind all of this was if God has given me a ministry and he's, he's given it to me with a purpose, and if I don't do it, then there's something in God's greater mission that is not getting done, and that is my responsibility. So that, would, that I think, was what, what was mm-hmm. actually you know, convicting me. I, I, and I've told some of my friends this. You know, Sometimes I feel like I have not done what God has specifically given me to do. So right now, mm-hmm. what he has given me to do is to lead and feed his congregation through the teaching of his word. But mm-hmm. I can tend to get distracted by just trying to run and manage other things in my job to say sure. it that way. And those are good things, but it's not necessarily what God has given for me to do or even gifted me to do. Now, mm-hmm. you know, I understand if you're planning a church, you're starting something, <laughs> you always have to do everything. That's just, that's part of it. Yeah. Um, and he's probably gifted some of us to do that way. So uh, this isn't a, an excuse. I don't want this to sound like an excuse to not work on things that need to be worked on and only focus on what I want to focus on. But I do think we need to understand that uh, the service or, you know, how we serve others, what God has given us to carry out, what he has gifted us to do, what he, that we need to prioritize around that if we have a chance. And that way, you know, then I should not be as distracted and I'm not taking away opportunities for others to do what they need to do. That's right. You know? And so, um, you know, for example, I could walk into an event and if it's not set up the way I like it to be set up, then I'll just start changing things around. When really what I probably need to be doing is just making sure that, you know, I'm dialed in on what I'm going to be saying teaching at the time. It, I need to let others do what they need to do as far as setting up the room. You know, it's a very, very uh, trivial example. Yeah. Um, hmm. But really, we we can tend to forget and um, maybe even blur the mission and our ministry. Yeah. Um, we can tend to forget why we do what we do in all of that. So absolutely, you're in the car, you're driving, the phone rings or buzzes, and you look down at it. Then all of a sudden, you're not paying attention, and so it's easy to get sidetracked. I think I want to double tap on some stuff that you've said. So for you to say the the personal mission of just making disciples, you said it really eloquently. You said my job is to make disciples that make disciples. You know, like that's that's really what personal mission is. The ministry is kind of more. Uh, customized baby. And I, and I want to just double tap on this because I, I want to hear what you think about this. So Acts 20 uh, verse 28 says, uh, Paul is talking to the Ephesian church and he's, he's talking to these elders and he's saying, listen, man, in verse 28, guard yourselves and God's people feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy spirit has appointed you as leaders. So this idea that the church is the jam, I mean, this is like, I mean, Jesus died for the church, which there's power in the blood of Christ. So to be able to investigate what personal ministry looks like within the church carries significant, 
opportunity because there's really no greater place than to develop your strengths and your gifts and the way that you can go about executing personal mission within my own personal ministry in the context of the church. Could you talk a little bit about that and how maybe someone's archipist project, if, if someone would come under the authority and willingness to get involved in the church, this is where they could really discover what personal ministry looks like. I don't know. Could you yeah. discuss that a bit? Yeah. And, and let me say before I get into that, I do think we do need to be careful about making it, um, and maybe this sounds contradictory, I don't know, but individualizing all this too much. Like, um, I, I do think, you know, the scriptures were written to God's people uh, mm-hmm. and uh, local churches are, are the, you know, are the audience for many of the letters. And so I just want to caution us against um, only focusing on well, this is what God's called me to do, and this is what I'm going to do. We always have to, like I said before, we always have to bring ourselves under under the mission of the of the church. That's that, right. That That's right. Has has bought with His blood, like you read. Yes. But at the same time, we as individuals are part of that mission. So that's right. Um, I do think. Let me back up a little bit. I think, you know, a lot of churches in our context, uh, we can have a tendency to fall into just creating a Sunday experience to yes. attract people. And I think this uh, pandemic obviously is helping us <laughs> deal with, right. with some of those idolatries. Um, but what we'll do is then we'll, you know, we'll feel good because a certain number of people showed up to the event that's happening. And I think for the last couple hundred years, um, the service and, and particularly the sermon have been the center of the life of the church, or that's how we mm-hmm. perceived it. Yeah. Uh, and so, so there's, you know, the guy in the middle and there's crowds all around. And I don't think crowds are, are bad. You know, Jesus attracted crowds. Yes. But when he ascends and then he, he tells them to wait on his spirit, you know, there when his spirit finally comes, there's 120 in that room. There's not multitudes. Mm. There's only 120 in that room. And then only 12 were the ones that he seemed to be continually investing in. That's a very personal ministry. Mm. But because mm. of that small group, we're all here 2000 plus years later. Yeah. So Jesus' method of making disciples was much more relational and personal. It was, yeah, much more relational and personal. And I think that is what we need to be continually doing, constantly doing. Yeah. Um, which can be, in our context, very difficult because of all the things that we have to do and all the distractions that we have. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I think gospel movements that produce long-term fruit, they're not built by attracting crowds. The gospel movement begins uh, with, with taking the time to replicate our faith in Jesus and our mm. passion for the mission in the hearts of others. So I think that's where that personal ministry is. Uh, we're able to uh, develop what Jesus has done in our lives in, in the lives of others. And that's the whole making disciples who make disciples part. So we have to be very disciplined or we have to discipline ourselves to put energy into the things that are going to have greater impact long-term, even if it's a slower start now. So even if it takes years to see results, and we see this, you know, throughout history of missions, right? It takes years and years for one convert, and then the ball mm-hmm. kind of starts, gets rolling, and gets a little bit faster. But if that's true, then if we're going to discipline ourselves to, to, to take the long-term view of things, um, then that means we need to continue to focus our energy on discipling people around us in the cir- different circles of our influence, building into their lives, developing them into leaders who do the, the same. 
And uh, then what helps us through those long periods of time is, you know, the message of the gospel. That, that's what gives us the reason to do what we're doing. So it's not just a starting point. This is a, it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise we'll lose focus of the mission and um, we won't carry out the ministry that the Lord's given us to do because we just don't have that passion because we haven't really understood the full implications of the gospel in our own lives and how that should multiply in the lives of others. So yeah. um, I think the basis of everything, you know, the gospel is what sustains our passion and any other motive is just not going to going to work as we, as we uh, develop and disciple others. And so, um, you know, if you want to get real practical about that, I mean, that's just taking the time to be involved in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just, yeah, I think it's just, it's just making sure that as we relate to any person, we are on mission and, and not in a way that where there's some kind of project. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, oh, you know, Christ loves me. He loves this person. And mm. uh, I get to show this person Christ's love through how I love them. And, yeah. Um, and so, you know, there, there's a bunch of, I think there's different, a bunch of different models. I think there's a different bunch of different methods um, that we've seen. I think we're trying to come up with something to help people as well yeah. along this, but in the end, you know, there's, I think the relations relational aspect actually trumps a lot of that when it mm. comes to personal ministry one-on-one. Yeah. Well, I envision, you know, this big, the ripple effect, this idea of just taking a big rock and throwing it in the water. And it's, if you're serious about making disciples, um, if you're serious about this mission, this personal mission that God has given us, um, then you throw this rock in the water and you see these ripples. And so like for you in your life, if you look at the people that are closest to you, they are the first ripple, right? So it would be interesting if we were to take a moment as a next step to to throw the rock out in the water, so to say, and ask ourselves, who is the first ripple? These might be, this might be my spouse. This might be my kids. But beyond this, this might be the people that I work with. This might be my neighbor. This might be the people that I work out with. This might be someone that's recently reached out to you and has asked you for help in some way. I don't know. But to me, those are the... Um, those are the people that I'm most inter- I'm most close with. So how do I impact those people's life? Is that that's just life on life? You know, that's like okay, I'm going to give my life away to people and serve them and demonstrate this humility that you talked about, being open to putting the mission first with them, to to think of them in first instead of me, to listen to their needs and 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 maybe either share the truth with them or just let the truth be present in my life. Uh, I don't know. That's what I'm hearing. Anything you would add to that or? I think, um, you know, a lot of times when, when you do that, you know, when you're impacting those people on the first ripple, you never get to see the rest of the impact on the the following ripples. And so, uh, but because of what I do as a, as a pastor, and working in a church, a lot of times we do get to, to hear back. And so you hear people who are three, four, five ripples down, who have been impacted by people who you've impacted, and then you get to hear what's going on in their lives. Um, and it is a, uh, not because of the size of it, but be- because of the change in their lives. It's mind-boggling and mind-blowing, and it's, it's, it's really amazing to see it. But the point I'm trying to make here is that um, that only happens because of 
you know, God's spirit working through us in, yeah. in each of those ripples. And um, I think that's, that's probably at the very core of what uh, I'm talking about. So uh, we position ourselves or posture ourselves to be used in the life of others. Uh, but the one who's doing the work is, is, is Jesus is, is his, his spirit working through us and in us and, mm. and, uh, for others. And so I think we've also got to, that helps us keep on mission, but at the same time, it helps us be very dependent upon him in this mm. because otherwise we're, you know, like I mentioned before, we can tend to start seeing people as projects or, or whatever it is we're trying to, we're, mm. we're trying to achieve. Yeah. So I, one of my roles at Grace is that I'm over different projects. So like the last project I have was like this culmination of launching rock, which is a church management system. And so we spent the last nine months and this was my baby. Like this was one of the big projects that I was over. Um, But that's kind of like a 30,000 foot view of what I would be doing. I mean, I'm interacting with people one-on-one. I'm I'm learning the ministry structure for each ministry and I'm having to interact with people. And my personality is very relational. So I feel like, and I'm creative. So that helps me kind of knock out this project. Not that people are projects at all, but that it was a project to to launch rock and do that successfully, which I think that we have done. So thinking about this idea of the Archippus project, not that people are projects, but if we were to say, here is this idea that you could sink your teeth into and you could um, that you could use as a way to get involved in people's life and help them grow in their relationship with Christ, to be someone that is leaning in on the Holy Spirit, trusting God to do the work that he needs to do, where I am invested in the personal mission, but I am trying to use my gifts to, to accomplish this personal ministry. Um, wh- am I off on that? Is that bad theology? I don't know if that's the word I need to say, but what would it look like for us? Do we need to call it something else? Do we call it that itself? And I'm just calling it because it's just something that I like, <laughs> you know, is that right or wrong? Um, tell, coach me through that. You're asking if um, how we're, we're referring to this personal ministry aspect is. Yeah. Like if I went to, if I went to my youngest son or if I went to someone else and I was like, you know what, you should invest in the Archibist project, which would be. Okay. okay gotcha. Yeah. yeah. The Archibist project is, is a, is a way for you to think about um, giving your life away to others. To invested, others. Yeah. Invested in this personal mission and personal ministry that God is calling you to live out. Yeah. I think the base question is then, how do I love this other person? What does mm-hmm. it mean to love this other person? So when you look at someone, someone that comes into your circle of influence for some reason, um, and you ask that question, I think for every person is different. So if it's my spouse, how do I love my spouse? That's very different than say it's a coworker. Yeah, than Chris Rivers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. So you're asking yourself, okay, how do I, because that, I mean, is that, that would be our ministry to that person, mm-hmm. right? To, lo- right. To, lo- to love them the way that, that Christ has loved us um, or our children. Mm-hmm. So loving, how do I love my child in this moment when I have to discipline him means that I have to discipline him. Yeah. It doesn't mean, you know, going over that. So I think it is coming up with a way or maybe even a process I don't know if process is the word, word a a um, 
I don't know, maybe in like a quadrant, a quadrant or something, a diagram that says, "Okay, uh, you can you you can love these people in these ways, according to the relationship that you have with with them. We can love this person who's brand new uh, to the faith by helping him begin to even learn how to read and study the Bible. Mm-hmm. We can, and I will do that. I will walk through that process with him." Uh, had a meeting with a kid today. He is not a believer, but he's got a lot of questions. And so, you know, how, how did I love him today? I presented the gospel to him. Mm. And then I said, Hey, I don't think you're ready yet. So, um, let's, why don't you read John? And when you open up the scriptures, say, God, if you're real, please reveal yourself to me. And, um, and I will text you every morning to see how that's going hmm. or I'll have my student guy text you every morning to see how that's going. Is that, you know, I can, I can, I can love him that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just happens to be a kid who, who's gone through a very, very difficult time in his life and he's an orphan now. And so, um, you know, there's, there's one side of it, whereas we want to take care of his needs, but still we can take care of all of his physical needs. But if he's going to hell, if he doesn't put his faith in Christ, you know, none of that yeah. matters. That's right. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then, you know, family would look different. What does it mean to love my family? Well, that yeah. means sacrificing all my hobbies or whatever it is. I don't know. So that I can spend more time with them. Uh, what does it mean to, uh, love the guys that work for me? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I help develop them in their ministry? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can even look at Paul in this passage. He is loving Archippus by saying this to him. Be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord has given you to do. He's reminding him of what the Lord has given him to do. Mm-hmm. He could have easily said, hey, Archippus, you know, hey, good to see you. That's it, you know. Yeah. And so I think I think that's it's that's why it's called personal ministry, right? That's why it's something personal. It's, it's why it's relational. And that's why we have a, you know, some of us have higher capacities than others. Yeah, but um, we're all limited, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. why when you're talking about ripples, we can we can only really affect a very a pinpoint. That's right. But but that pinpoint then ripples out outwards. So. Yeah, well, I think that there is something to. I mean, God's word it's alive, it's active, and so you in all of my relationships, I can use that as the first sp- spot. Like I am. Any relationship that I have, maybe if you're looking, if you're looking over here and I'm looking over this pot, I see this person that's the first ripple, right? Well, what I need to do is I need to like put God's word in front of me and that person. And, and, and I begin to say, God, what do you, what do you say about uh, yourself? And what do you say about the, the story of the gospel that affects me so that I can interact with this person? If that is my spouse, if that is my child, if that is my employer, employee, whatever the case may be. And then I think it just is my life lived out. And sometimes that is, I mean, I find that like with my sons, like I can say, hey, what do you think about this thing? Tell me what you think. And I just listen. Right. And so then that but then I'm able to coach or I'm able to I'm able to help them have direction. You shared the gospel and you said, hey, here is something that you could probably do as a next step. So and then there is action taken between you and that person. So I don't know if that's the 
the method. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. I like it because you're talking about so you, you're looking at people through the filter of God's word. That's right. They're 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 people made in the image of God, loved by God, and depending on who they are, you know, they're either lost or they're not lost, or they're people who are running from him right now, or they're rejecting him right now, or they're growing right now. Yeah. They're your spouse, so you interact with it. But then once you you you, you see them through the filter of God's word, then you move towards them. And then once you've moved towards them in whatever step God's word is dictated, then then you figure out the action steps that they might need to take or whatever. Yeah. As far as developing and growing. Yeah. So good. I think we're going to have other discussions around it, but it's a good start, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Is there anything else encouraging that you would want to share to our listeners, to me, to anyone as we're leaving and we're really trying to lead in our within our personal mission and ministry? I'll just say what Paul said. If you're in ministry right now, then I would say, you know, Chris, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord has given you, uh, you yeah. to do. Yeah. And um, that's something that we've got to constantly remember because it is something that's come from, from him, not from us. Hmm. If we've created it, then it's probably not the not what we need to be doing. Wow. Well, thanks so much, Robbie. I appreciate you joining us, man. Yeah, it's been great. Well, as we finish today's episode, I want to thank you for joining us. I also want to thank Robbie for challenging us to rethink how gospel movements can happen and remind us who are Christ followers of our responsibility to carry out the ministry that God has given to us. Be sure to check out the Archippus assignment tool that dives deeper into this subject. This tool offers you and your tribe some great discussion questions, a stretch assignment, and a personal reflection guide that will help you create forward movement around the ideas that Robbie shared. This resource is perfect for you and your team if you're looking for a way to onboard people in helping them understand the importance of the gospel, personal ministry, and how to live it out. You can access this resource by emailing me at hello at culturebus.cc or check out the show notes for more information. Join us next week as I kick off the Archibus series. In this 10-week series, we will work through the book of Colossians, and with each interview, we will try and answer the question, What could happen if each of us came to view our lives as uniquely positioned for a personal ministry of discipleship? We will ponder and reflect on the gospel and its effect on our lives and how Jesus equips us to join him on his mission. It's going to be so good. I hope you can join us. One more thing, if you're new to the podcast, consider signing up to receive these tools in your inbox with each new episode. When you sign up, you'll gain access to the Culture Bus Tools Archive, which has tons of leadership tools to help you and your team increase their capacity and effectiveness with people. You can head on over to culturebus.cc forward slash podcast to sign up. All right. See you next time on the Culture Bus Tools Podcast.